Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on today's show is Laurent from the Noddle team, co-founder of Noddle, a plug and play node, very well known within the space, very well respected. There are two models you can go and check out, the, uh, the basic model, Noddle, and then the Noddle Dojo. So make sure you go and check them out. But listen to the episode first and get a feel for Laurent and the work that they're doing within the space and their vision for what's coming down the road and how they are building out services and uh, other hardware that is going to help the adoption of Bitcoin in the near and long-term future. Before we get into the show, you know I need to give a great shill and shout out to the companies that have supported me on this journey creating this podcast the first up is coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten get over there start stacking some sats if you're in the uk sterling cost average out of your pounds and into satoshis you can download their app you can set up the auto buy if you use that code you will get a free 10,000 satoshis to start off with and they are driving the commission of the, uh, the cost of commission to zero to follow Strike's lead. Across Europe, you can use Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten. Go set up an account, start getting out of your euros and your Swiss francs, get into Satoshis, set up the dollar cost average, fiat cost average, excuse me, and start stacking with Relay. In the US, you know who have you covered by now, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten that will get you a free ten dollars to start your stacking journey and they are one of the best companies in the space they have a great bunch of bitcoiners every single one of these ceos and everybody that works at these companies will tell you you need to take control of your coins get a hardware wallet the bitbox 02 bitcoin only edition is a great place to start shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten Enjoy this episode. All right, we are recording. Uh, Laurent, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Now, uh, do you, do, you've come on prepared with your first question. Yeah, and you don't know it. But, but you guys were, oh. I, oh, hang on. You've got a question and I don't know it this time? Yeah. Is, yeah? Okay, fire <laughs> away. I mean, you know, I'm always, for the listeners, the sake of the listeners, Lauren and Laurent, um, well, we all met in uh, Biarritz uh, a few weeks back at the uh, Surf and Bitcoin conference. And these guys sat down, spoke for, for a long time at dinner. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely feel like uh, this is Lauren's show right now. So, so go ahead, fire away. Ask your question. Uh, so when did you find Bitcoin? I'd say it was probably maybe five years ago. Uh, it took me a while to dig into it because I'm not very tech savvy, or at least I wasn't at the time. Um, and it was really a grueling quest to find people who could explain it better to me than what I could read in the papers, because that's, that's how I got in, really, reading the papers. And that's not good information. 
as we all which, know now. Which papers? <laughs> yeah. You know, which financial papers? papers, basically. I was a banker at the time. So uh, everybody in the banks were excited about Bitcoin, blockchain, et cetera. And it seemed appealing, but I couldn't get it. And it frustrated me. So, so I went out of my way to meet people. And I was fortunate that I met some good people who could explain it and, and knew a lot about it. Um, and uh, I managed to avoid the, the trap of, uh, of believing what I read in the papers too much. <laughs> my curiosity got the best of it. I remember, man, same boat. I was in um, financial markets and I remember the I remember the day first ever hearing about Bitcoin and just poo-pooing it because my, my job was in a foreign exchange um, with yeah. what I thought real money, you know, yeah. dollars and yen and euro and like yeah. none of this silly geek internet money. You can't just make a currency up out of thin air. Oh, what exactly. These people think yeah. they are? Well, actually, you can't, but Bitcoin just did. Yeah. Um, so it started challenging my beliefs. And, and I remember um, International Herald Tribune being passed around the office and we obviously as you will remember in your banking days, you've got Reuters on one screen, you've got Bloomberg on another, yeah. you've got CNBC in one corner, you've got CNN, and you're just surrounded by narratives and news. Exactly. Yeah. All day long. It's just so tiring. Uh, and I remember on the front page of the International Herald Tribune, I'm sure it was that paper, uh, like a picture of a guy holding his head and crying or something, the classic pictures that they use. And it was the Mt. Gox uh, oh, yeah. hack. And I thought that was the end of Bitcoin. Like, uh, do, oh, you know, oh, yeah. I was just a headline skimmer. Okay, I'm filled in on Bitcoin. That's dead. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people missed the boat because of that, because mm -hmm. that's what they stopped at, um, which is a shame. But it, it takes a lot of effort um, to go past that, the main narrative, and to, to challenge your own belief system. That's why it's so hard. You, things change within you. <laughs> They truly do. Mm -hmm. I, I, do, you, do you have another question? Go on. I can I see you. I have another question. Go, yes. go, go. <laughs> do you ever regret buying Bitcoin? No. Okay. <laughs> Why? I don't think I regret much anyways. Um, I don't regret buying it. I don't regret not getting more. Um, I think things are what they are because of uh, the choices I made. And I'm fine with that. Not all of them were the best, but... I'm fine with my choices so far. Nice. Yeah, and I'm happy about them. Do you do you regret buying Bitcoin? No, not really. No. 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 You're gonna buy more. Well, I don't really have that much money. Yeah, you went all in the other night. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had an episode like that at home. I know last time I, I saw mean, her like, and we talked about it, but I'm not really gonna use it now. The so, fiat, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. Why not? It, I just like chuck it into Bitcoin for now. Coincidentally, it was um, on the day, it was on Bitcoin day, it was the it was 7th of September, the day that El Salvador uh, went live with their Bitcoin adoption project and moving on to a Bitcoin standard. And after dinner, both Lauren and Samuel were like, can you go and get our um, wallets and purses out of the safe? And I'm like, um, why? We're not going anywhere. You know, well, we just want to see how much money we've got. Why? Like, this seems like a pointless exercise. Well, we want to buy Bitcoin with it. I'm like, let's go get those things. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went all in. Well, that's, that's great. I think in, in what's interesting, I find is to once in a while, you don't have to look at it every day, but once in a while, you take a look um, at where it's at and, uh, and you get some kind of appreciation for um, 
being able to put money aside, one, saving power, and two, the, um, it, it's worth. Uh, you, you can see there's a, there's a lot of benefits in keeping, uh, holding on to, to some savings. It's a great way to save. So if you'd have just had that, that 60 euro just sat in yeah, your, your, yours was 70, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> good, keep, good bookkeeping, good ledger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, then in five years time, that would still be 70 euros, but anything else that you, everything else that you wanted to buy would have gone up in price, right? Mm, that's called inflation. That is correct. But Absolutely. what will happen with your Bitcoin holdings is the opposite. It'll go it, up instead of down. That the price of everything that you want to buy compared to Bitcoin is going to go down. <gasps> so with the same amount, you can buy more. Which is a crazy concept to get your head around. Yeah. It's and yet you can do it at 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and some go. adults fail to understand. I mean, he's been just pushing it in my brain. So right. I, think, I think I might understand. Not, not just me, all the guests <laughs> you've spoken to as well. I remember Dom Frisbee telling you a story about the, uh, uh, the ice cream. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were trying to buy ice cream at a festival in Cornwall, like early days, like 12, 13, 14, whenever it was. Um, and the guy selling the ice cream would have accepted Bitcoin, but they couldn't get a, um, a signal. Yeah. Uh, so his friend who had been talked into buying ice cream, uh, buying ice cream with Bitcoin by Dom kept the Bitcoin and he got hold of Dom in like uh, 2019 or 20 or something and said, I just bought a car with that, <laughs> that Bitcoin we were going to use for ice creams. That's funny. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how powerful it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's what's probably good for kids. Mine don't have it yet, but, um, I should probably, they have tablets now. Um, I should probably just install the watch wallet um, on it so that they can see their addresses without, I, I'm, I still don't trust them to hold their keys themselves, um, but uh, that they can go and watch it whenever they want to without coming to me um, would probably be useful. Once in a while, they take a peek, they see where it's at. Um, so that's probably a good thing to do. What we do is that I have a wallet of Satoshi on, on my other dad's phone, which is going to be my sister's phone soon. Um, he Normally, we I either do work or um, like I either just help with something. Like for example, I have to go get wood from, from the garden and bring it down. And then I get pocket money. And then uh, I can either have it in from my wallet of Satoshi, which I normally get, or from just like uh, two euros or three euros um, from the, the ball. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's the right way to do it. Um, that, that's how I, we, we do more or less. I mean, it's a different setup, but they have the choice, my kids, to choose between fiat and, um, and Bitcoin. And eventually, at least one of them has moved on to saying, no, I don't want the fiat anymore. And actually the one, the, the fiat I used to have, I'd like you to convert it now, which is kind of funny. It's a big step. And how old? 10 years old. 10, same as you. Yeah. 10, yeah. 8, and 18. That's right. Exactly. You remember? Good memory. Yeah. Very good. Oh memory. yeah. We chatted for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I only remember because it all adds up. 8 plus 10 is 18. True. Yeah. You did the math. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have any further questions? Uh, no. Okay. Do you, yes, yes. Um, would you be able to bring me some water? It's too early for beer today. 
but a nice big cup of water because I forgot to bring one in. Thank you very much. I, I haven't done this in such a long time. <laughs> Anyways, bye. It was nice seeing you again. I hope to yeah. see you soon. <laughs> see you. Have a nice day. Thanks, mate. Yeah, a, what, what did you think of the conference? Let's uh, let the plebs fill the plebs in on uh, that that experience that um, we were at in, in Biarritz. I thought it was great. I, I really liked it. Um, it's uh, I was maybe a little surprised, actually, even um, that the turnaround was really good because uh, they said probably 700 people, which I think is what we saw. Uh, so that's a lot of people with all the traveling restrictions and, and how difficult it is sometimes to move around um, at a time where some people are still on holidays and it's only French speaking people. So it, it was a big crowd, uh, probably three times or four times the number uh, they had the, the first year. So, uh, you know, there's a good trend there. And I know uh, Jonathan wants to make it even bigger next year, probably. Um, so probably over a thousand people, which you'll definitely get. Um, and uh, it was very friendly. I mean, it, it's a great spot to be in. Um, I love the town personally. I was there two days ago again. <laughs> Were you? I like going there. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Um, eventually, we'll try to relocate there. Yeah, Good for you, that's man. That's part of the plan, I guess. Um, but uh, no, no, it was really great. And um, for us who've been, so we're we're living in France, both of us, uh, but um, I mean, the, the Noddle team, we we don't hang out with uh, with a lot of the French crowd. Um, we kind of see more of the international crowd um, on a more frequent basis. And uh, even though we know the French people, we just hadn't been in touch for a while. So it was kind of nice to see some old friends, basically. Um, that was very, very nice for us. Um, and maybe in a way, I thought, well, we should spend more time with them because, uh, you know, yeah, you figured out you missed some of them. So that that was kind of, kind of fun. Yeah, very cool. And, and from from our side, it was great to take the family and for um, the the kids to meet all the uh, the uh, plebs and the maxis. Um, yeah. For for those considering getting down uh, any stage to uh, to be a Ritz, and you, and you're kind of put off by the fact that it is a French speaking conference. I would say don't worry too much about that. Uh, yes, yeah. the yes, the talks are in French, but you don't need to be in there listening to them. You can be in the hallways with the plebs. Yeah. Um, and all of the guys that had stalls there spoke perfect English. Everybody spoke perfect yeah. English that yeah. I, I ran into. It was, it was yeah. nuts. I think all these conferences and in, in, I mean, we, we do quite a lot of them uh, over the past three years. We've been to lots of places. Uh, most people who are used to going to the conferences actually spend very little time listening to the talks. Um, usually we'll watch them or listen to them the month after when we get back home um, because it's easy to do with the Internet. But what's really difficult to do is actually get some time one to one with people that you haven't seen in a while or you've met only online and just chat, have a drink, have a beer. Um, those are the best times at the conference. And it's a really good network that everybody builds um, of you know, friends and, and often like-minded individuals um, that you're just happy to see every six months. Um, so yeah, go to the conference to see the people who go to the conference, not the conference itself, really is yeah. the thing. Yeah, and it's great fun. Um, and I would urge you to take your families, uh, anybody listening, because um, yeah. they don't need to come to the actual conference. For example, I was there during the day or I went to the night party on the Thursday. Yeah. 
but then hanging around with all the bars, cafes, restaurants, barbecues that are getting thrown in people's Airbnbs. Yeah. Along come my wife and uh, and the kids, and they get to hang out as well. It's great fun. Yeah, and that that's how we we met because your your wife and your kids were there when we had dinner that um, Saturday night, I think. Um, We've seen over the past maybe year or two, more people come in with their spouses, sometimes children. Um, I think everybody should do it. I've wanted to take my kids to, to conferences. I haven't done it yet, but I, I really want to. My wife came once um, and it's just an eye opener, I guess, for them too, to see the people you talk to all day long, um, to see what they're like, to see how normal they are, <laughs> right. how friendly they are. They're not crazy. Uh, I think that's really good. And, um, and there's a lot of stuff that's being built around it. Like there's some kind of art community uh, that I think is very appealing to a lot of people. Uh, my wife was impressed by the art show and, and she went to Miami this summer at Bitcoin 2021. Uh, and it was bigger than she thought that just the art part, the exhibit. Um, and there, there's more to it than meets the eye often. So, uh, so yeah, you, you should come with your wife, husband, kids, um, and enjoy the, the community, really. Especially if people, uh, there's a lot of people out there that suffer this, right? Uh, that, that kind of loneliness feel. It's, uh, we know it's a bit of a sausage fest, the, uh, the Bitcoin space. There's, there's yeah. definitely heavyweighted more men in it. But yeah. if you're a family guy and you're like, you've gone crazy on the orange pill, exposing your spouse and your family to uh, the Bitcoin community and like you said, like realizing they're normal people, they're thoughtful people, they're caring yeah. people, yeah. they're deeply philosophical and everything that's being built around it, whether it's the art, the music, the, yeah. uh, the writing, it, there's going to be something for them to kind of grab onto and get more interested into rather than you trying to force the pill down the neck every dinner time. Exactly. And, and I'd actually argue that sometimes they're even more family oriented than people you see every day at, in your office job. Um, there's a real focus on building, building for the future and not just for yourself, um, which should be appealing to a lot of families. I was just thinking about this just this morning that, um, and I don't know why it came up in my mind, but there, there's definitely that feel around the younger guys that I've met, especially at that weekend in Biarritz, they're, they're already thinking about planning a family that maybe their spouse is already pregnant or they've already got, you know, yeah. one, one child, but there's, there's no, there's no fear about planning for families. Whereas I know yeah. Gen Xs yeah. that have chosen specifically no kids because the world's going to shit. And yeah. uh, I don't want to bring my kids up in a world where yeah. they're not going to be able to eat in 20 years time. And all of this nonsense where they've been completely scared and totally, like that their minds a complete fog because they have no yeah. idea what the truth is. Whereas the Bitcoiners, they have hope, they know truth, and they're ready to build families and yeah. they, you know, and homeschool and spend as much time with their kids as possible. And Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's amazing. They're planners, but because they're probably confident that the future holds a lot of promise. So they're very hopeful and in, I think we're right <laughs> in being hopeful. <laughs> So it's exciting. And I mean, there's so much to do. It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, you should be hopeful. Yeah, totally. All right. So we've, before we get to Noddle and uh, the, the node that you've built, let's kind of um, trace your, uh, your career before that, because 
like with everything, everyone we meet in Bitcoin, everyone goes through this transformation, which we were talking about earlier. So where did you, um, where did you grow up and did you go to a higher education university and and then where did you find yourself being led after that? Yeah. Um, I've lived in, um, Canada, the U S uh, France, Mauritius. So I've traveled around quite a bit, uh, younger with my parents for my dad's job, basically. What, what was um, that? What, what kept you on the move? He worked in a shoe manufacturing company, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a big, big company. So he traveled around the world and we followed with my mom and, and me, um, ended up in, fr- so I'm Canadian and French. I'm both, um, raised in both languages at the same time. Uh, which makes your life much easier. So that's really something great you can do for your kids. I know that's one thing you wanted. You said, I read your book actually, and you were saying that um, we wanted to teach our kids a, a second language. We let them pick. They chose France, uh, French, and that's why you're in France. And I think it's great. It, it's really something useful. Um, so I was fortunate to, to have those, you know, two cultures, two languages. It brings a lot of, um, a lot of culture in different ways of, of thinking. I think that's, that's interesting. Languages bring a lot of, uh, of um, personality too. So, um, you know, moved around quite a bit, uh, went to a bunch of different schools, uh, did higher education. I was a bad student. Um, well, very average at best um, because I didn't like it. Um, wasn't very interested. And yet I, have a lot of degrees in a lot of stuff um but never really enjoyed it uh i was just following the process basically you know that's how you're supposed to do okay i went to school i didn't like it dragged my feet but just did it sucked it up um started having more fun when i started working um because you could get paid so you know doing the same type of tasks as you do in school but getting paid for is is better um and I started uh, in the financial sector. It was forex trading or sales made mainly. Um, then uh, funds routing, then uh, project management for, for you know uh, big banks basically. Um, I did a bunch of different things. I did um, information security. I did uh, continuity services. Uh, BCP thing. Um, And then I ended up doing risk and compliance. Uh, In the last time I was working for a bank, I was the head of internal controls. So very regulatory type of tasks, um, which is just not fun, Uh, plain boring. That's what I was going to say. That was going to be my question. It helps me transition into Bitcoin. It's like, no, this is really horrible. You should do the exact opposite. (laughs) I remember those days um, when all of the different regulations started coming out and uh, what a huge boom that was for the compliance sector. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. All of a sudden, every bank needed a compliance team or every, yeah. every business. And what were you following? Like uh, Basel one then Basel two, then Mifid exactly. and all of this yeah, yeah. trying to read through that. Oh, the Frank Dodd, you know, the, the Dodd Frank, yeah, excuse Dodd me. Frank, yeah. Dodd-Frank would have been the first one, right? After the 08 financial crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the so, US at least, yeah. Right. And out come Dodd and Frank and say, right, we've solved all this. This is great. Exactly. We're going to put regulate. Yeah. Like, what a load of shit. Exactly. And all the risk assessments that never hold. And, nope. you know, it's, um, it's all fake. 
so at some point you're like, why am I doing this? It amounts to nothing. Um, and yet they take it very seriously because they don't care about it either. No one cares about anything really in those big corporations. Um, so it just sucks the life out of you really. And then you see something else that, that exists next to it. And you're like, wait a second, if I compare both, which one seems real, which one seems fake. And um, that's how I got sucked in really. Right. Um, you know, what you do all day long is useless. This is so fitting to a tweet I put out the other day because this has been, uh, you know, I've been trying to figure out why it's so hard for, for some people who we think should just get Bitcoin. Why, why do they repel it? And why is it so difficult to get it to them? And I think it's this, it's like what you've just said, you know, and to use like, um, uh, sailor, you know, like all your models are broken, all your identities are broken. Yeah. Right. As, it's the hardest thing to change identity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it means changing yourself. It means being critical with yourself. Uh, it means just even having the idea that something else is possible. Um, and that's why it's so long. And that's why you can't really do it for someone else. I mean, there's probably ways to help. I'm not sure anyone has figured out the best way um, because uh, most of us Bitcoiners will say there's a lot of people very close to us that still don't get it. And we'd like to, but um, it's hard. Um, I, I saw my, my aunts this um, summer, two months ago, and uh, so she moved back to, to Perigot. So she's not very far from where you are. Um, she's lived her entire life abroad. Uh, she used to work for the French embassies and consulates. She's retired now. She's over 70. Um, and so she spent most of her life abroad and a lot of uh, her life in Lebanon because she was married to Lebanese. And she fled the country basically a year ago. And her daughter now and my cousins all left Lebanon. So we don't have any family left in Lebanon because they left because uh, the country is such an, uh, in, a, in such a bad state. And um, when I saw her this summer, she said, okay, everything I had amassed was in US dollars uh, in my name in the banks in Lebanon, and I just can't get it out. There's no way for me to get my money. Basically, you, you lose everything. And I looked at her, and I said, well, now you know why I have Bitcoin. And she said, yes. And we stopped the conversation. And that would have never happened a few years ago because they were like, oh, this is crazy, the stuff you're doing. Uh, you know, we don't get it. We don't see, we, we have something that works. Why do you need anything else? Um, you go through the pain, you get it. That's one way of getting in, you know? Um, then the thing is when you're 70, uh, you think you don't have the time to, to dig into any other topic. You know, my dad will say, oh, it's too late for us now. Sometimes my mom gets curious. She's like, oh, maybe we should do it. My dad's like, forget it. It's good for them. They're young enough. We're too old. You know, we'll stick to that, to the old model. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough for the older you get because that, you know, the more entrenched you are in your identity. Yeah. Sorry, it's the post office coming by. No, that's okay. <laughs> We've had far, you know, far worse interruptions uh, in the uh, past, <laughs> and Zoom crashing at you know oh, yeah. crazy, crazy points. Do you, do you remember then the that that first or the most difficult moment looking in the mirror when you were when your identity was being challenged? Because for me, it was like, holy shit, eighteen years, 
working in foreign exchange, not even knowing what the word fiat meant, not knowing yeah. the history of money. Like, you know, what were you doing? Like, not knowing I was sat like one or two seats away from the spigot, uh, yeah. not knowing what seniorage was, not knowing what um, they were doing when the central banks were intervening or printing cash, like mm. ha having no clue of it, but being no. part of the, you know, yeah. being a tiny cog in this wheel and facilitating all of this. It's like, Jesus. Well, you were a very well-trained individual. Right. And I was too, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I always somehow knew I didn't fit in quite well. You know, I could adapt. I could get promotions. It wasn't very difficult, actually. You know, nothing is. Um, if not, it wouldn't work. It has to be really dumbed down for everybody, including us, you know. Um, but I never quite fit in. And so when I started having those small aha moments, um, they all kind of made sense. And I always felt a little more comfortable um it was much more rational so it wasn't that difficult uh but it takes time definitely and i think overall it's not so much the bitcoin aspect but the entire overhaul of your life uh that's trickier because then you get uh nervous about um livelihood uh supporting your family and um and we're changing our lives around um it's taken a little while, but we're, we're doing it and, uh, it feels good. So there's a lot more angst sometimes about, you know, how are you going to do financially in a year or two? Um, but you know, that feeling, cause that's what you went through as a family. Um, we have kids, we're five, you guys are six. I mean, it's very comparable and it has a lot more to do than just Bitcoin. It's just seeing life differently, seeing education differently, seeing work differently. Um, and I'd like to get those people who are interested in all those topics that aren't Bitcoiners um, in the Bitcoin conversation, because there's a lot of common traits um, and a lot we can learn from each other, I think. 100%. And that's something that really interests me, um, especially with the people that I've met that have decided to take their kids out of the education system and, yeah. you know, remove education from state. Uh, whether they are world schooling, i.e. traveling and schooling their kids as they go, unschooling, not following any kind of curriculum, or doing more like um, a typical like a home school where they are following some kind of curriculum. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a hundred different things that you could do. There's not just this one rule that says when your kid's three, now in France, three. Yeah, no, it's insane. the age of three. They they yeah. they, they want your kid. So there's, there's groups here that my, um, my wife follows uh, on, on Facebook so we can kind of like uh, get in with the local community and that. And like the, the lead up to school was all of these posts of panicked mothers whose mm -hmm. son or daughter has only just turned three yeah. and they're trying to get them potty trained in time to get them to school on the oh, first yeah. day. It, That's the big pressure in France, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Uh, I had bad. I have bad memories of of uh, starting school in France. I moved to France when I was eight, I think, and I had come from like English or Canadian schools at that point. Um, and I cried every morning for a year because um, I thought people in France were mean. So I told my parents, French people are mean, um, because I felt pressured as a eight year old kid. Um, by all the rules they had, where that they're, they, they look at kids differently, I guess. Um, 
I think in, in Anglo-Saxon culture, the, like the kid is a little more like a, a little king, a little, you know, you, you take care of them more maybe, um, or you, you facilitate their, their learning experiences or, or, you know, you encourage them more. Um, it's a little harsher here. People aren't mean, it's just the way it's done. Um, but I, I thought they were mean when I was a kid. It wasn't fun. <laughs> and I'm sure the cure was, don't worry, he'll stop crying in 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the teachers had to literally come out of the school and grab me because I was clutching onto my mom when I was a kid because uh, I didn't want to go. Every morning they did that for like a year. I witnessed this at our local school here um, when we had our kids in, in the system so they could um, learn the language. Same thing. The kid, eight or nine, I don't know, every morning, oh. exactly as you're describing. And then he would hang on the fence and his mom, she would go around the corner. She couldn't get in the car because she was breaking down. Like yeah. every morning this was happening. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, my God, this is, how can anyone think this is a good situation? Like, why can't we just let that kid go home with his mom every single day and be with his mom and then just try it again next year? Just wait till he's well, ready. I guess the whole point is they know better. Um, system knows better. System yeah. knows better. System is in charge. Uh, follow the system and be a good soldier. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's what they, they ingrain in, in young minds, basically. And uh, it's very difficult to challenge. Impossible. You can't challenge it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it, it's always yeah. the kid's fault. If it's not the kid's fault, and there's, if there's not something wrong with the kid's brain, like if we can't put a label on uh, that and diagnose uh, it, then uh, it's the parent's fault. You're a bad parent. Uh, it's never the system. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, that's how everything works. Basically you can't challenge the system. It's nameless. Uh, it's no one's responsibility. Um, they just hire you. Uh, you, you can't really fight back because uh, there's no one to fight with and it's just too, too painful, too long, too, too uncertain. And um, basically the only way is to, to opt out and do things differently. And then it gets easier, but you can't do it all at the same time. I, I think I was listening. It's um, I think it's Michael, his name, Liberty Blitz. Yeah. Michael Craig. Yeah. 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 I think uh, so. I, I listened to the to the episode where you had him, and uh, I think he said recently that so he was out of the financial sector. He wrote, and now he stopped writing because he's most more focused on family, homeschooling. I don't know permaculture or something like that, um, which are all topics that interest us. But we can't do it all at the same time. So you know, gradually get out of one, the other, etc and you take every matter back into your own hands. And that's it. That's all we're doing. What, what part of the journey are you in at the moment? You've obviously extricated yourself from banking. Um, you've started yeah. a Bitcoin company, which we're gonna to get to. Yeah. Uh, um, what, what, what else are you putting into place right now? Um, so I think the next step is really just changing the scenery around us uh, because it probably gets you more active and more dynamic and just, you know, it changes good once in a while. So that'll be step one. Uh, I guess step two is getting my wife out of her job because she's still in banking. Um, and that sucks because she doesn't like it. Makes no sense. Um, what, what part of banking? What, what, uh... She does marketing for stuff she doesn't care about and doesn't even actually 
you know, understand because she doesn't want to. Right. You know? uh, that's the biggest thing. It's easy to understand, but it's very difficult to be interested. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it, that just sucks the life out of you, really. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's painful, uh, I think, every day. So that's step two. And eventually, if everything goes well, uh, maybe we'll, we'll consider or maybe I'll consider at least uh, different schooling. Um, you know, we, we, so the older ones now, you know, it's almost too late. Um, uh, he, he, he's 18, so he'll be done before we, we finalize <laughs> everything else, I guess. But um, the two younger ones, we, we changed schools last year. They're in a tiny school there. Last year, there were 10 students total in the school. Hmm. Um, public school, French system, but um, teacher is good. And I think pretty much the education has to do with, with who the adults are in the room. Um, so we're fortunate. She's really great. Um, and uh, a smaller crowd means more personal interactions, more respect for who's around you. Um, there's one class with, um, I don't know, kids spanning I don't know, ages eight to 12, maybe. Um, so more interactions that are not you're six, you hang out with six-year-olds. You're eight, you hang out with eight-year-olds. Boys only, girls only, you know, that kind of stuff. That's really not helpful at all, I think, in, in raising your kids. Um, so, so far, I think they're in a pretty good situation that I'm not worried about. So there's no drastic change that needs to be done right now. Plus, it enables us to focus on um, our immediate goals. So, But eventually, I'll think about it because I'm yeah. interested in that. I'm interested in in like the 18 year old, I, I have this conversation with my 16 year old all of the time, because, you know, she's already thinking about, uh, okay, so uh, what's next? Is it university? I'm like, I, I would strongly urge you to do like a one year internship at um, a Bitcoin startup company perfectly. Uh, mm -hmm. That that would be my yeah. ideal. And she we've we've still got two years for her to get there. So more and more companies are going to be built out and they will need stuff. Um, that would be brilliant. If not any startup, just any startup, go and do a yeah. year's internship at any startup because one, like you said earlier, you get paid to do it. Yeah. So, and she, you know, kids nowadays, like they get to 18, they want to go to university because they're thinking of the party and the independence. It's like, okay, we can still have the party and the independence, but yeah. be paid for it. If yeah. you go on and meet like crazy, interesting people, and see how a business gets built from the very, very beginning. This is real and yeah. build an incredible network. But yeah, but I, I, I'm not sure exactly what goes in their, their heads, but I do think there is that little voice that says it's also security, mm -hmm. um, which um, I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, I think you can have enough um, opportunities without following the system. But probably most people with, well, outside of this circle, maybe would disagree with me. Um, and I think that's, that's what holds them back a little bit. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I think a year of internship or you're traveling or. Um, yeah, travel is another group. Just a year for yourself to mm -hmm. figure out uh, what it is to be an adult is a big step um, and should probably be recommended. Uh, I think experience comes with, uh, with practical training more than higher education. 
because higher education gives you a piece of paper and uh, recommendations maybe, but doesn't train you as much. I mean, I honestly didn't learn anything at school that I, that I would use. I mean, reading and writing apart, uh, but that you can do by yourself too. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, the rest is, and uh, in, in that's why I did like 10 different jobs within the banking sector. It's not because I knew how to do everything. It's because there's nothing you can't do really. Um, they'll train you on the task and um, they don't really care if you're good or not anyways, um, as long as you're manageable and nice and, you know, I can do that and most people can, well, good, you know. Um, so yeah, practical experience, they'll learn how to do stuff. And then once they know how to do stuff, uh, they get creative and they can start their own business and, and not be a slave. And then the sky's the better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, a, a, a lot of the, the changes in my life, um, I trace it back to, to like four or five different elements, but one was an article on, on reassessing risks in, in your own life and uh, in seeing upside and downside for what they really are. Uh, for projects you might want to do or carry out and also for what your current situation is. And eventually it hit me that the downside for staying in my position was huge. Um, and it was worth it to take a risk to eliminate that. Um, it wasn't so much considering the risks of whatever I was doing next. It was, if you don't do anything, it's going to suck <laughs> really bad long-term. Um, and then, it, it, you know, everything fell into place kind of, or is still falling into place. And this goes hand in hand, I think, with uh, this, this feeling of um, self-accountability, personal responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're just not taught how to do like uh, basic risk analysis. Uh, I yeah. guess it's kind of natural to us because we worked in financial markets and, you know, you, you, you just learn it. You learn it on the job. No, I'd even not even heard the term risk analysis before I got into that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. nothing. And... I learned nothing about economics in, in the years that I was going to, to school, you had to opt to do that. Yeah. I'd not learned anything about the law because you had yeah. to opt to do that only after you were the age of 16. Did you even get a chance to start yeah, yeah, yeah. about the law? It's like, this is nonsense thing. that we're shielded yeah. from all of this. It's done purposefully. We all know oh, now, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's engineered that way, but like just doing a basic risk analysis of your situation, uh, and the last two years has been a perfect example of people fundamentally misunderstanding risk analysis and yep. then just happy to follow a crowd or follow whatever the mass media or follow the science in, yep. in quotation marks. It's been shocking to watch. And the mental frameworks are fairly easy to put in place. I mean, it, it's really two or three basic questions to, to, to use to analyze anything, and then you can apply it to anything. And once you do, you're in for a big surprise. Yes, you really are. And it's a Tim Ferriss technique that I picked up from the four hour work week. And I wrote about in the book that yeah. I applied to our situation when I was like, do I quit my job? I got, you know, a, a wife to support four kids under six. Like, you know, this is a, th this seems like a big decision, like no way, no way, no way. 
Yeah. And then when I, you know, I turned it on its head, instead of setting goals, we're always told, right, set your goals, have something to aim for. Yeah. Do the opposite and set your fears. Like, what's Absolutely. the fear setting? What's yeah. the fear? How do you conquer that if it actually plays out? Brilliant yeah. exercise. Yeah. Yeah, really, I think everybody should do that. Uh, it's easy to teach. And uh, looking at your own fears and seeing how dumb some of them are or yeah. how they never play out, um, you know. It's the lizard brain basically taking over. But same thing. I didn't know anything about that before. What was your biggest fear about leaving banking that was just, um, uh, you know, I know what mine was. It was like going bankrupt and living under a bridge. Like, you yeah, know, and I think that's when you write that down, everybody. when do you write yeah. that down? You see how ridiculous it is. Yeah. I mean, please come and collect your paycheck at the end of the month. Um, that's how you're, you're, you're taught to, to live. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's... Um, it's the biggest thing. And, uh, and the biggest proof that, you know, things can go absolutely fine is you did it the worst time possible. You know, a family and four young kids. Plus you went crazy. I mean, you traveled. That's dangerous, you know? Yeah, very. <laughs> and yet, um, so no, so it, ta it takes, um, you know, there's a lot to be done. It's scary. It's really scary for the parents, for the friends, et cetera. Um, but some support you, um, which is good. Um, so I don't, I, you know, before we changed anything, we, we considered it. And I think my biggest scare was not doing it. So. Um, exactly. That's the biggest downside. That's yeah. the actual risk. Yeah. Not doing anything is a big risk. Yeah, not taking the risk yeah. is the risk. It's like yeah. not owning any Bitcoin is riskier yeah, yeah. than and owning Bitcoin. That that article that, that I was mentioning earlier, I think I, I, I should find it again. I read it the other day again. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's funny. Even now I have a different uh, appreciation for it after after years of, you know, changing things in my life. Is um, I think I was raised with my dad always saying, never, never um, go unemployed. That's biggest risk in your life. Uh, unemployment is terrible because you earn less and then you can't find a job because when you're unemployed, you're unemployable somehow. Um, and I was like, okay, I'd read that article that says something like, I don't know what the numbers were exactly, but you earn, let's say a hundred today. What are the risks that tomorrow you can't find a job that pays you 80 or 60? And the odds are maybe you find the same job 50% of the time, pays the same thing. Okay, big deal. Nothing changed, really. You just changed jobs. Um, that you get paid a little less, uh, probably 20% or 30%. But in the end, there's no situation where you get paid zero for the rest of your life. I mean, you could work at McDonald's. Plus, they accept Bitcoin now, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least in El Salvador. Nicely but, um, done. <laughs> but that's the thing is... If you need it, there's no way in hell that we're, we're not going to find a job. Um, it could be shitty. It could pay really very little, but you'll survive. And, yeah, you, um, you could go pump gas, like, you know, yeah, and, exactly. and within, if you do a good enough job within six months, you could be running the station. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, honestly, is it that difficult? I don't think so. Um, and once you, you, you see things like that, it, it it's very different from the, the image that's never really described of you either get a hundred or you get zero because that's not the situation. And yet a lot of people think, or at least they don't think 
but they 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 have that image that it's it's all or nothing, uh, and it's very far from it. So, how did you go then from banking, as you said to Lauren at the beginning of the show, not at all tech savvy, yeah, to building a plug and play Bitcoin node? That <laughs> doesn't that doesn't seem to be like a natural progression. But you know, what were the steps that you took after that? What you know, what led you out of banking and down the road of uh, building Bitcoin hardware? Yeah. Um... Se several diff different things, but um, I, I was getting bored in what I was doing at work. Um, I very fortunately read an article in a, in the in Le Monde once uh, about a new program in um, in like I don't know digital transformation, whatever something um, given in a in a good school in in Paris, and I was like, well, you know, that would be a change. I could do that, you know part-time and, and go to work part-time and, um, you know, just see something different and maybe change a little bit, uh, jobs or, or, and, uh, I tried it out and, um, and actually going back to school when I was, I don't know, maybe 30, 35, um, I had a different appreciation for it. First of all, the people you meet there are more interested in what they're doing than the ones I had when I was a kid. Uh, you have experience of life, et cetera. So you take things differently and, um, and you could work on different projects. You could choose your topics and uh, and I chose uh, Bitcoin because I thought uh, it seemed interesting and I wanted to know more. And I had to do a lot of research for that. Uh, we had to put out papers and stuff. And the research led me to go to meetups. The meetups led me to meeting interesting Bitcoiners. Um, that saved me for looking at blockchain really. Um, so I gained a lot of time, <laughs> I think. Um, and once I started talking to Bitcoiners, I just went every month, you know, there's that regular meetup in Paris that I went to every single month for like three years. Um, and that's where I really graduated. And eventually that's where I find my partner. Uh, he's a tech savvy guy. He's a very good technician. Um, he was building tools for himself. Uh, we saw that it had a lot of appeal to the people who, who you know, um, saw it. And uh, when you put hardware on a table, people will flock to the table and say, okay, what is this? Why is it blinking? What does it do? You know, can I have one? Can I touch it? Can I use it? Um, some people pushed us into, into making it a product to starting a company. And, you know, that's how we got started, really. That's cool, man. So what was the first, uh, what was the first product that let's tell everybody that doesn't know what Noddle is, uh, all about Noddle. So, um, so we've been around for, for a while now, I guess the first idea or, uh, wasn't proof of concept cause it was really just a toy at the time, uh, was my co-founder Kato miner, um, building a, a small node for himself. And at the time blockchain was smaller. He did it on a, on a raspberry Pi zero. So it was a teeny tiny device um, that he went to the meetups with and showed around to people. The goal was for him to use it as a learning tool to run his own node by himself. And um, eventually we saw enough people were interested in having something built for them because they didn't have the skills to do it for themselves. Um, and we came up with a plug and play one box uh, fits every Bitcoiner's needs. Um, 
you know, package if you want, uh, which we launched, I don't know, maybe three years ago or three and a half years ago now, um, which had only Bitcoin, Lightning, and in a BTC base server on it. And uh, that's when it came out. Casa had just come out maybe a couple months before. And um, we were the only two commercially available uh, nodes in a box uh, at the time. And then it evolved, you know, and we can get into it. But uh, but I, I don't think they, there was any solution before for people to who didn't know how to run it, uh, run Bitcoin to, to do it easily. Yeah, let's talk about how it evolved, because these things, they, they start very kind of small and basic and then everything else gets plugged in on top. But yeah. the, you, you've got to be careful, right? You, you don't yeah. want to overcomplicate things and slow everything down. How, how do you guys think through that process? So we were very fortunate that, um, you know, Lightning had just come out when we, when we, we came out with a node. Basically, we thought it would be more appealing to people. Um, if we had lightning because it was new and people wanted to play with it and there's no way you can use lightning uh and play with the different apps that go on top of lightning if you don't have a node running 24 7. and the best way to do it is to have it at home um and if you do it for them and you package it in a box uh, it makes it so much easier you can have a bigger crowd doing it um we also saw potential at the start for people to want to be merchants and accept payments and, and transact um, for themselves, basically. So the merchant part in the BTC pay server was really, really interesting. And only after did other apps come that we added to, to, the, to our stack so that you could do more things with your, with your own node. And the biggest, biggest part for us was really privacy. Um, it's probably the best reason to run a node would be would be for privacy. Uh, you don't have to use any third party software really. Uh, you can be the back end of all your wallets. Um, and uh, it really protects your your transactions and in, in your identity better. So so anything that now comes as an add-on to to just Bitcoin core or LND is more of a um, enhancement in, in, in privacy. Uh, having your own block explorer is important. Um, mixing your coins is important. And, uh, and owning the entire stack, I think, is, is a big, big deal. Um, I guess the, the main thing for us is we think most people still don't understand what it is to, to live in an information world, in an in information age. You have to have control of what matters to you if you don't want to be censored or uh, if you don't want to ask for permission to just live, you know? Uh, works for information, works for finances. Um, I think all of the, the use cases we're going to see for nodes and Bitcoin uh, and personal data are going to um, require people to, to have hardware that they run themselves or at least some trusted parties that uh, provide services that don't really exist in a box today. Right. Now with, yeah. And with, I mean, we've had a huge influx of, of people coming in just by virtue of the, the bull run, put more and more yeah. people, they, they come in and they, um, that they start falling down the rabbit hole. They come for number go up as we all know, but then they start learning these aspects that you've been talking about. 
Yeah. And at some point, I mean, the, the general, if I look at my own journey, it's uh, number go up. Oh, shit, this is a thing. How do I take control? Hardware wallet. Uh, then you think you're all done, you're self-sovereign. Then you're like, hmm, what's this node thing all about? Yeah. Then you you go down the rabbit hole of uh, building a node or in, it, like I was, shamed by Matt O'Dell on my own podcast to yeah. um, step the fuck up and, <laughs> uh, and build a node. Um, so I went down that route and there's great content out there for anybody that's looking to build it themselves. But some people that's, that's like too scary. So to have this product that you guys have put out there, um, like this, this option plug and play, uh, yeah. in a box, what are the options that you have on the market at the moment and, and where can people go and find out more about it? So I think now people are fortunate. They have a lot of options um, from the do it yourself uh, and use it as a learning tool. Like, cause you run raspy blitz, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the best option for people who want to educate themselves at the same time and have a little bit of knowledge or a lot of time on their hands to, to learn the ropes. Um, and it's a fantastic team behind that, um, that we know very well. They're good guys. So it, it's a fantastic project. The Raspberry guys? Made, yeah. Yeah. You really know those guys? guys? Oh, very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are they um, Bitcoiners? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. The Raspberry Blitz guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big time. Excellent. Um, the, so that's maybe one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum would probably be ours where... Um, we do almost everything for you. Um, there's, I don't know, maybe half a dozen node implementations out there on the market. Um, most of them will just package software and you'll install it yourself on a Raspberry Pi that you buy, um, single board computer that, um, that you can get available in any shop or online really easily, very standard. Um, our end of the spectrum is slightly different is we don't use the same boards because we actually build hardware. So uh, we see ourselves as a hardware, software and infrastructure company. We, we do other services too that we can get into, but um, we choose the hardware we want. It's maybe less standard, but it's more powerful or usable or has better security features maybe. Um, and we build some parts of the electronics inside the box. We don't package the, the applications in the same way because we want to offer this one-click install, easy to maintain box for the users who are not tech savvy. Meaning once you upgrade the Noddle, uh, every new version of the software, we make sure that all the tiles, all the applications that we run in the box play nicely with each other. Because one of the problems we have in the space is a lot of these projects are new, change all the time. Um, a new version of L&D might break BTC pay. If you run a store on it, that's a big problem. If there's not someone who is knowledgeable who is gonna check that everything works well together. Um, so we kind of offer a finished product as much as we can um, that might um, be better for security, I guess, if you, you use it every day as a, as a business tool. Um, I think even if you're just an individual, but uh, if, if you run Bitcoin and you want it to be stable, um, there's more of a focus on that from, from our side, at least, I'd say. 
that that's that's one point that kind of uh interests me on where this is gonna start going because if you are a small to medium-sized business at you know high street store whatever yeah. and um this is going to happen it's inevitable this isn't uh you know there's going to be more shops oh, yeah. that yeah. going to accept bitcoin right so if if their point of sale system is just their wallet then mm, that's not great do you yeah. see a point where a point of sale system is going to be integrated with a full node or is the first step like yeah. let's get our own plug and play node in the store so we yeah. can like how are you guys thinking about that um we're very attached to uh, the properties of Bitcoin and what it enables you to do as a user, uh, whether it's just an individual or even for corporations, basically, you, you could argue. But um, I think people need the tools to leverage what Bitcoin offers. A POS system today, you could have, I don't know, maybe two, three different options. Um, Breeze, the wallet, offers a very simple POS system. We have a friend uh, who's been in Bitcoin much longer than us, who's trying to have a bar where he lives, um, just use that as a POS. And I think it's fine for a month or two just to get uh, accustomed to it. Uh, are customers using it? Uh, do the bartenders feel comfortable using the POS? It, it couldn't be easier to use. Um, I think that's great. But most people in a restaurant or any shop would probably need more than that in our opinion but they need the tools to be easy because um there's so much to learn if you don't make it easy on them um it's probably not going to work out you, you won't have enough demand at the same time you want them to manage their keys themselves uh we don't believe in centralized systems or that's not how we want it to play out um, so we don't want to do that, but um, you have to find the right way to to offer an easy um, sovereign service for people. So the way we're we're going about it right now is um, you can do two things. You can either have the box, install it in your store, and we'll help you onboard um, customers and get used to using invoices in BTC Pay, having a POS on a phone, tablet that you can give to your staff. It's really easy to do, but the entire box runs in your, in, in your, in your company. I think most people are still not quite ready for that. So we can do the same thing, but host for them, but then we become a risk potentially, okay? Uh, but maybe you can get them in this way. And once they're comfortable with the service, then you sell the box. And there's another thing that we're working on right now that actually would probably be better for um, Southern countries or, or countries that don't have the same um, maybe purchasing power than European or Western countries, which is some kind of a hybrid. It's, um, it's a much smaller and cheaper device. Uh, we're talking probably less than $100 um, that you put in shops where they run their own LND. So it's a lightning only node. That way, if they run their LND, they have their hot wallet keys. So we don't touch them, so they don't have to trust us with that. But we use centralized Bitcoin Core and BTC Pay servers that we rent out to them because they're just going to use the lightning functionalities for which they have the keys. And the sync with the chain basically can be centralized by a party like us. Um, 
which gives them access to cheap hardware um, that they own to uh, being able to use a POS and an invoicing system for very, very cheap. You know, it's like um, probably 10 bucks a month for, uh, for the service to, to run. So then you can deploy that in, in Central America, South America, um, Africa, probably more easily than you can do today. And that's why you don't sell a lot, a lot of nodes in, in those regions, or at least not the same um, volumes than you see in, um, in North America and in Western Europe. And this is exciting for the amount of nodes that are going to be coming online yeah. and yeah. distributing this network even yeah. further and even wider and very quickly because once we get this uptake from just like i'm thinking the first step is high store high street stores yeah is that the way you guys see it as well rather than institutions like looking to you know i think there's going to be people servicing uh the you know mcdonald's for example like uh, I, I was referencing um you know since the, the law passed in el salvador two days ago or yesterday i don't remember two days ago um people are saying oh great mcdonald's now accepts uh, bitcoin and uh i understand their um pos system just relies on open node okay um we know the guys from open node we've known them for years uh they're building infrastructure just like we are but they chose a very different path they're gonna do it for big corporations. And they seem to be doing really well, which I think is great because we, we, we like those guys, but they chose a set of rules that are different than the ones we want to, to apply. Um, so I think it's really crucial that very fast, a lot of countries start adopting those laws in that we can actually talk to people on the ground, small chains, individual stores, uh, mom and pop shops, restaurants, whatever. Um, so that doesn't centralize too fast. Because if not, you might face the same uh, history as the, the internet's history that's, you know, built to be decentralized and resist uh, nuclear attacks from, uh, from uh, the red communists. But um, <laughs> eventually you end up 20, 30, 40 years later with very big centralized players, um, which wasn't necessarily the dream at first. Um, and we don't want that for Bitcoin. We want it to remain something that's predominantly for the people. Yeah. So, um, so I think we want to focus on, on keeping um, things easy for the population to, to adopt and making sure that the ownership of the keys of the data remains um, something that's managed by, by end users, or at least centralized parties on their side maybe uh you know because we understand not everybody in a big corporation should have all, all the accesses of course but um but i think we'll, we'll really focus on on smaller crowds it's gonna be interesting isn't it when um th that's when you know the worm has turned when a bank calls you and says right we need uh, a solution yeah. uh, we need a noddle installed yeah. on every desk trading yeah. desk or whatever <laughs> yeah i mean we, we we could get that um one area maybe that that people don't um don't know that we focus on is like when i say hardware and infrastructure we actually host a lot of nodes online um for lightning applications for example or or you can have corporate customers basically um i don't know if you're familiar with sphinx chat mm -hmm. the chat app um 
a lot of the users who use Sphinx are actually not running Sphinx on their node. You're just using the service. But Sphinx being a lightning app requires LND to be running all the time. So it requires a lightning node. Um, so how do they run those apps on their phones if they don't have a node connected to it? It's because the backend a lot of times is actually ours because we rent nodes out as a service to Sphinx chat so that they can onboard users more easily. So you will need infrastructure to be built just like there's infrastructure for the internet, data centers, et cetera. You need the same thing for Bitcoin, especially with Lightning. Um, to decentralize the service as much as you can, you'll probably need more um, companies doing that. If there's only one that would um, not be very positive. So, you know, there's one or two solutions out there today, well, ours being one of them. Um, we're hopeful that others will come in uh, because it's probably better for Bitcoin. Um, and I'm sure they will. But, uh, but there's a need for that today, and there's a huge market for tomorrow for, for, for these types of solutions, yeah. Yeah, huge. Yeah. A very, very exciting market. And any plebs out there listening that uh, are wondering about how they contribute to the space, what do they build? I mean, here's another perfect example of where, I mean, of course, there are some other companies out there building. Uh, I, that's one thing, one of my takeaways from the conference, I met a lot of people um that had ideas and were ready to start you know um kind of working on them or like uh like the wise mining guys i'm like oh my god how did i not know about this already like you know what's yeah. being built is just crazy um yeah. but, but before we move on and, and start chatting about other things i wanted to give a shout out it's funny because you you brought up the uh the starbucks um you know Example, did you see the meme going around yesterday? A uh, big shout out, DJ Booth 007. Uh, the <laughs> actually, this is an old tweet. We must have tweeted it out again. Um, Ro oh, Roger, the Hitler Ro thing, right? Yeah, the Hitler yeah. thing. Roger finds out Starbucks are really are accepting Bitcoin. Yeah, I did see it actually. <laughs> I was gonna say no because I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I actually did see it and I remember seeing it from the from the whole uh, BSV crap. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's an old one, but it, it, it's funny. Apart from the last maybe sentence or two, um, it's extremely actual. <laughs> it, it's so great. My favorite line was, uh, and it matches the uh, the lips, uh, the lip uh, syncing so perfect. It's, I was there, Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's really no. funny. Uh, Bitcoiners all over the world will be laughing at me. It's uh, it's brilliant. So for anybody that hasn't seen it, go dig it out. Uh, it's really worth watching. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> all right, cool. So seems to me as though you guys have got a lot of work and um, you, you've got your vision pretty well set out. Uh, there's um, there's there's good things coming. Is is everything available at the moment on on the store? What what can people click uh, click through to and and pick up so far? Um... So no, not everything's available. That's the biggest problem uh, we have. Uh, sourcing has been difficult with, uh, with a coronavirus because um, there's a big difference in selling software that you can ship anytime and actually receiving components, building them ourselves, um, and then you know shipping them out. Um, so we're, we're putting more stock online throughout the month. There's some that's almost ready to, to be put, uh, but we know people have been waiting for a while for the hardware. Um, the cloud infrastructure, um, we have nodes available, so people can, can, if they're interested in the cloud infrastructure, can do it. 
we do custom builds too. So we do very specific builds for um, larger customers that have specific needs. Uh, that's available all the time. And um, and yeah, I mean, if we're interested in, in getting maybe more contributors to 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 help us out because it's all open source. Um, so if anyone's interested, please please reach out. One of the big projects we have right now is uh, is doing a lot of onboarding workshops to physically install these in stores um, because uh, the solution is ready and well tested. Uh, so that requires a lot of talent and you know uh, legal uh, sales um, fields if if they want to participate in in, in build small networks in different uh, different cities uh, you know it, it's it's stuff there we, we can get a lot of uh, help i'm sure and feedback so anybody interested you know we're always happy to to discuss are you are you actively hiring or what's the what's the no thoughts? i think we're 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 gonna enter fundraising um, uh, phase right now, where uh, we've never raised any capital. Um, so you know, it's just two of us. It's really small. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of work on our plates, so uh, we will need help. I think. Um, so we plan on hiring once the, the fundraising is done. Have you reached out to the Bitcoin Adventures guys? Um. Not directly, no. We've talked to some of them, mm -hmm. uh, but because uh, that's the thing, isn't it? You don't want to take on any old yeah. VC money that then starts pulling and pushing you where they want yeah. you to go. It's got to be Bitcoin investors that yeah. understand this is a slow burn and exactly. it's important to get it right. And it's not it, just a fiat exit, which is what most VCs are looking yeah. for. In, in for a while, we really went back and forth: should we do it? Should we not do it? Um, you know, there's very good arguments for both. Uh, we don't know. I honestly, I don't know of any uh, small Bitcoin company that's been around for three, four years that hasn't raised because at some point you need help and um, you need to be able to pay for it. Um, so we're probably the only ones. Um, and then there's one or two that have raised really only with Bitcoiners and, and outside of the traditional realm, like, like the Samurai guys have, et cetera. Um, but they've all had, you know, outside funds come in at some point. And I think that's the, the direction we're taking right now. Cool. And I noticed on the website as well, you have two nodes that people can buy um, yep. once, you, once you're up and running again. Yep. What, what's the wait time? Do you, so there's, there's the Noddle one, which is like 529 and yep. the Noddle Dojo, which is 849 priced in yep. US dollars. Yep. Uh, what, how, how long do, do people think, do you think the people might have to wait if they interested in either one of those nodes so we've had very long wait times in the past <laughs> it's been a, a problem uh now we're actually going to put on the store only what's available uh so when it is available and you purchase it should ship the same day or the next day uh so no really no 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 wait time uh but it means probably having to check uh the website often as uh, they sell out just so fast. Even when you build like, you know, a batch of a hundred, they, they'll sell out in no time. Um, and it's hard to keep up with that uh, when, uh, you know, it's uh, a small team. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, so check frequently. I mean, I guess a lot of people don't realize what it is, but they're, they're, they're expecting like some kind of, um, you know, Apple or Microsoft service. Uh, 
big companies that have a lot of staff um, know this is, you know, wholly owned by us, uh, non-funded, small team of uh, Bitcoiners that have been doing that for four years. So there's a track record and, you know, uh, I hope people trust us with that. But um, it's a painful process sometimes, uh, you know, people have to know about it, I guess. It's, uh, um, can you explain to people if they're going to have a look the difference between the not the Noddle One and the Noddle Dojo? Yeah, so Noddle One is the the, the classic Noddle node. Um, the, the main difference is with the Dojo is the Dojo is a partnership that we have um, had with Samurai Wallet for the past two years, I'd say. Um, when the dojo came out, you had the special branding. Uh, so it's a nice red box because the Samurai users are, are, are really big fans of what Samurai Wallet does. It's a very committed um, community uh, that's just privacy focused. They, they know why they're there. Um, so we wanted to do a box that looked nice for the users. And it was the first time that uh, mixing was available on a full node on the market. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure that we had maybe some additional security features uh, that were specific to the, um, the dojo at the time with uh, SSDs that were fully encrypted to protect your keys and your data. And uh, we had two SSDs actually in the device because they're mirrored in RAID formats. So if one burns for whatever reason, which has never happened, uh, you have the comfort of knowing that you have a second one in backup. And I think that's still unique on the market right now. Um, you know, the, the full disk encryption in, in the RAID dual SSD um, features were, were new. And we had a kill switch um, in the device. That means if someone has physical access to your device that's running, they could potentially steal your keys while the device is still running. But if you open the box to access the, the, the card, the, the single board computer, the kill switch shuts off uh, the node, meaning then the attacker is uh, is more or less rendered helpless and can't steal your key. So it's just physical security on the node that exists if you get a pre-packaged uh, node like ours, um, but that you'd have to build yourself and, and do electronics if you wanted that on a, on a whole node that you build yourself. You know, so yeah, a few additional features. Um, and that's what you get when you when you you buy from a, a hardware provider. Um, there's a, there's a lot of thought that goes into it, and maybe people don't necessarily realize or we don't talk about it enough. But uh, sometimes there's more than meets the eye <laughs> with these simple boxes. <laughs> I wouldn't say sometimes. I'd say always. There's more yeah. to meets the eye <laughs> with with everything. Uh, yeah. So, well, Bitcoiners have a low time preference, as we know. So, if anybody yeah. is interested in going in and, and waiting it out for for one of these to to hit their you know desktop or wherever they're going to store it next to their router and yeah. uh, you know enjoy having that extra privacy, then I'm sure people are going to be willing to wait. But I also see, and we should give a a, a shout out to um, to Bitco, who he he designed the uh, the Noddle logo. Is that correct? Um, he didn't do the logo. The logo we had uh, done by uh, what's that company's name? Ninety Nine Designs. So that okay. was like a less than a hundred dollar cost for us yep. to have the design made. 
uh, that's, how they, I got, uh, that's how I got the cover of my book, 99 yeah, Seconds, same thing. I, I think we read some of the same authors sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I, I see some references, like I love uh, Seth Godin, for example, that you reference in your book. Yeah. Um, I, I like his, uh, his stuff too. Um, but yeah, that was, I think, Tim Ferriss, the 99 Designs. But yeah, Bitco is a, is a good friend of ours. We've known him for a few years and um, he did a lot of designs for us on flyers, stickers. Um, I think one of the logos or the backdrops on our, on our Twitter account is still one of his designs um, because we, I think he's one of the best designers in the, in the space. And, he, you know, we, we like the stuff he does and we, we see it everywhere now. And, you know, I think it, it's great. It's popular. My kids have some of his uh, his designs yeah. on their T-shirts, and it's fun. You know, my kids have the stickers. They they like yeah. the uh, yeah. the bee slurping the noodles, for yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was kind enough to to send over a few stickers. So that, that's all on laptops and uh, notebooks and stuff. So it's yeah. it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, I I needed advice for something the other day, and uh, and I know since it was design. Um, I, I asked him because I'll trust him more than I trust myself for that kind of stuff. And uh, he, he always has a really good feedback. So, you know. So are you selling any of this fun stuff? Like the hoodies I'm looking here now, the, the, the coasters, oh, we used the, the to. stickers? We're, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to come up with, uh, with some new stuff, I guess, um, for the end of this year. Uh, the website is kind of ugly. Uh, the new version is ready. Uh, you know. I've upped my skills a little bit. Uh, you know, that's what you 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 do when you get into Bitcoin. You start learning new things. So, I've prepared the new version. Should look nicer than this one. Um, and we'll probably try to do it all at the same time. Revamp the store, uh, some of the merch, and uh, and we'll have more stock soon. Cool, man. Well, I've got to end it on the usual question. If you had one orange pill left to give left to give to someone, who would you give it to, and why? I think it would be for our 18 year old um, because um, I, I try to make what we say, um, you know, free with no pressure is like they pick on whatever they want. Uh, and all three kids have reacted differently to that. Uh, the 10 year old is the, the one who gets it the most. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's important that you don't want to push stuff, but he can have access to so much information just because I'm around <laughs> that we should probably leverage that uh, for his own good. Um, Is he going to listen to dad talking about Bitcoin for an hour and a half on a podcast? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, no, no. The one thing that I have in mind for him is um, we're going to be holding some meetups in Paris with, uh, with store owners and friends um, in October, starting in October. There's one of the guys that's, fairly new to the space because he popped up on our radars like a year and a half ago, maybe, who we met in Biarritz, um, who's just a year older. And he's actively developing on Bitcoin. And I thought, well, you know, if we have him come over, maybe he'll be in the same room. And, you know, there's just a year difference. Um, it might just be a, a fun discussion to have. And to hear it from someone else, hear it from someone from your generation and try to see why he's excited. Maybe you'll catch a glimpse of something that, uh, you know, triggers your imagination. So uh, that's something I want to make happen. Maybe that's the way to Orange Bill. Excitement and passion is contagious as well. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, If he sees a 19-year-old trying to build a company and, you know, this is the reason I'm building it for, uh, and with a clear vision, yeah. that that can click someone's mind into, yeah. into high gear for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Definitely a good plan, mate. Definitely. And it's interesting because all of these orange pool questions have done a full circle over the last year and a half. Yeah. I've been asking them, uh, you know, we've back in the day, it was like, uh, oh, like the most famous footballer or the most famous singer or who's the most famous person that everybody's following on Instagram right now yeah. or a president or a um, uh, sports star of, of any sort. Oh, well, guess what? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, They're yeah. all done. They're, yeah. They've all been done. I mean, not the exact people that people have been saying, but <laughs> who have we had? Richest man in the world, NFL stars, soccer stars, oh, uh, singers, rappers, well, you know, influencers. Yeah. Yeah. A country. So we've got a president okay. or a prime minister, whatever they have in El Salvador. I think a president. A um, president, yeah. Yep. There will be another country soon. They're all done. In, a, in 18 months that I've been running this podcast oh, and yeah. asking that question, it's moved so quickly. And I don't think we really stop and pause and reflect about how quick that's happening. And corporations, of course, um, excuse yeah. me, I forgot, you know, Sailor and, and the others that have come out. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see maybe next bear market. Uh, you have a little more time to reflect back on, on these past 18 months. Mm -hmm. been crazy or past year. Um, but yeah, no, people close to home, I think is the most important. And that's where, that's where the answers are coming to now. When I ask, they'll, they'll, you know, it's like this short breath. It's like, well, we've done all that ticking. I just want my yeah. mom and dad. I want my brother. I want yeah. my, my yeah. son, my daughter, yeah. like you know, my wife. Um, so that's the next one. And uh, with, with more meetups that keep coming on and uh, more conferences that uh, we can get to, hopefully, the, the world gets over this hysterical behavior that, um, you know, we've been running around with our heads on yeah. fire over nothing. Uh, ultimately, um, we can get back to moving around and, and meeting people again and, and sharing yeah, big ideas. So. And that you like mix that with a bull run. Like that's when like, you know, that's, that's going to be oh, crazy yeah. again. I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be massive. I think, I think there's still maybe a few cycles, you know, for, uh, for just global adoption or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't like the term adoption, but, uh, you know, countries, I hope that's, that's the, the big hope that countries will follow suit really fast. Um, other countries just to make them the El Salvador guys, less of a target. Um, because I'm not sure everybody agrees with what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, of course there's <laughs> the powers that be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that the typical, uh, southern american uh plane crash of uh high profile individuals uh, you kind of want to avoid that so if other countries follow suit uh and the population has access to tools i think there's still a lot of tools that need to be built for them mm -hmm. uh, that that's you know what we're active in, and and i hope a lot of people do the same thing uh it's just going to be massive bigger than what we've witnessed so far so humbling very humbling yeah so, you know, I'll be traveling to El Salvador in November for the Adopting Bitcoin conference. You're going, right. Okay. Yeah. What I was... want to go. How, how do you hop to there from here out of interest? Uh, us both living in France, you know, have you looked into like the, the kind of route you would have to take? Yeah. But if you're traveling from France, I can send you the link. There's a specific uh, link by Air France that gives you all the travel restrictions and documents you need for every single country um it, it's well done so uh i think just the pcr in uh what would be enough you don't need a visa 
Um, so then it's a matter of uh, making sure that you can get tested there to come back in. Uh, so you do the double the double test basically, which is a pain, but uh, we should be we should be fine coming from France. And it is like I'm guessing France. Uh, you have to go Paris via somewhere. It's not a direct flight. Do you, do you know? Um, I don't know. I know they have flights. I don't know if they're direct or not. I would assume mm -hmm. they're not because it's distant. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. I, I haven't looked it up, but I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, if it goes through the US or not, I guess is the question. Potentially. Which would be a huge bummer for us because I think our, it might be okay if you're just transitioning through, but I think US still uh, pretty strict sure. on. Yeah, pretty strict. <laughs> Uh, on I, European. I have, a, I have oh. an exemption for this year so i can go plus anyways i can go because my wife's american but um and i'll be going next month uh, right so did you need an exemption to get to miami from france <laughs> so i did i asked for it i didn't get it but then i tried the option b which is my wife's american so i'm allowed so i okay. went and i got the the refusal um that I had originally got got canceled and I got accepted while I was in Miami. Uh, and then they extended that whole exemption to a full year. So now I can go for a year. Anyways, I don't need it, but I have it. For, um, the, for the other European plebs listening that want to get to Miami, what's the, the steps you need to take to get the, exempt, the exemption so you can travel to Miami as so a European? So it's called NIE, National Interest Exemption, I think. Uh, originally, so I did it in, I don't know, maybe May or, or April or May this year, because that's what you needed at the time to go to Miami to the conference. Um, they'll ask you why you're going, uh, it has to be for a business reason. Uh, we were sponsors of the events. We had meetings planned with potential VCs and stuff, et cetera. So we were really going for business. Um, and so we, we, we described our needs and, um, as other Europeans did, we have friends who did the same thing, followed the same process. Some got accepted, some didn't. Um, but eventually, it seems like a lot of people who were refused got a letter a month or two later saying, okay, now it's accepted. So probably, I don't know, they had too much demand and they, and they refused a lot of people. Uh, but the reasoning behind the, the whole process is if you're doing business with the States and bringing us money, we'll probably accept you. If you're just traveling for tourism, not now. Um, so apply early, uh, try the process that way you have an option. If it doesn't work, uh, there's probably other options like does it help, or whatever. Does it help if you've got a U.S. company kind of, uh, backing you up uh, and like some probably, kind of I mean, if formal you have, letter or yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it can't hurt. The thing is, it's very discretionary as a, as a process. So you send it to the embassy and they take a look at it and they say yes or no. You don't know who read the paper. Um, what they looked into but you know hmm. i mean the whole process is um you know frontiers are a little fake <laughs> in my yeah, opinion of course uh so the whole process is just that it's a process to just keep us filling in shuffling pieces of paper uh, exactly. around it's just a fucking pain in the ass like it, it's just ridiculous uh, yeah i i went so i when i flew in for the story uh to miami had asked for the exemption didn't have it traveling with my wife on the same flight and we get stopped at the paris airport because my passport beeps red 
And the woman puts me aside from Air France and says, okay, wait, we're going to ask the U.S. Marshal to come. I was like, what? You have a U.S. Marshal here in Paris? Yes, we do, in the airports. She'll check before you leave because they, they don't want to allow you in the country. They want to stop you before. So I go see the U.S. Marshal and very nice woman. She's like, oh, I don't know why it doesn't you know, work. Uh, you should go through, no problem. I see you, you've lived in Boston before. And she knew, she knew my entire life story. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> like weird. he had this visa and that year he had whatever. I was like, okay. So she she lets me board the plane, no problem. And we think, okay, now that you're on the plane, they probably won't, you know, uh, push you back at the at the entrance on, on on the American soil at the airport in Miami. But same thing, they put me aside for a while. They're like, wait a second, sir, we'll process the others, and you'll go through last. Okay, and. Um, they asked someone from customs to take me downstairs in the, in the Miami airport where it looks really bad. You know, it's the, the, the backstage is horrible. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't like to, to work there, but um, they take two or three people aside and they're like, okay, what's your, your business purpose here? What, what are you doing? Why should we let you in? And they're the two people in front of me go and I'm the last one to go. And, you know, I give a little nudge to my wife. I was like, just come with me. It'll be easier if you're around we walk in the office he looks at me then he looks at my wife and she was holding her her american passport so he sees she's american he looks at her without talking to me and says so uh, are you american she's like yeah it's like awesome have a good day guys and that was it (laughs) oh is that the the screening process it's like (laughs) we're awesome because he's american so he can go you know it's it's very strange. I don't know why it's designed that way. Uh, you know, is it for you to doubt yourself or to, you know, to make you feel guilty Probably. for nothing. Yeah. It's very strange. The U um, S customs is the fucking weirdest man. Uh, it, it, it's just odd. I remember yeah. we, we turned up in cause we're not American. Maybe Americans get the same problem in Europe that we don't notice. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's getting, weirder everywhere by the day obviously um yeah but i remember we we turned up in san francisco and like you're queuing for like two and a half three hours and we turned up on a flight from new zealand so we'd been on a flight for however long that flight is between 14 or 17 hours i can't even remember but we got four kids with us it's like guys where's the empathy you're gonna make four kids a family with four kids like there's no separate queue for that like, you know, where's, where's someone coming down the queue, checking everyone's okay? Has everyone got water and stuff? If you're going to make people stand in line like, like sheep a, for three you're hours. You're a herd animal. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. And then yeah. they, you get there and then it's the, like, uh, the, the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Why are you here? What are you doing? Why do you yeah. want to come in the country? Like, it, and you just feel so belittled and uh, made to feel yeah. as if you are Wait, guilty what of might something. Have wrong. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're right. Maybe your I brains. should think you're about like, it. <laughs> what rules, what rules did I break? Uh, I, exactly. I don't know. Like, why am I treated like this? It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Um, and Thibaut, I had, uh, Thibaut Mahashel on the show. Who's the, um, yeah. he's building From ducks. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he had a similar, um, problem getting into Miami. Uh, he was, uh, explaining to me, but his return story was really interesting and he yeah. told it on the show. Uh, I don't know if you heard it, but he got pulled a, aside at customs, landing oh, he, back in France. He orange pilled them, right? Yeah, four or yeah, five customs me. officers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the me. best. Oh, it's funny. He yeah. he had a Bitcoin T-shirt on, 
the uh, the customs officer sees him yeah. uh, with the Bitcoin and says, right, you're going to have to come with us. Yeah. There's four or five of them in the office. Right. How do we buy Bitcoin? What's this yeah. about? Like, it didn't want to know about, about the, the conference or they had heard about it. it yeah. Yeah. And he spent about 20 to 30 minutes just taking them through different wallets and showing them how to set awesome. it up. And it's so. It's he's so a good great. one to orange pill you. Yes, he's doing <laughs> he's doing Satoshi's work. That's yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, mate. A hundred percent. All right, man. Well, Laurent, it's been great to uh, to do this show. I hope everybody has got to know you a little bit better and got to understand what you're doing at Noddle and the vision of Noddle, which uh, is very exciting for me. Um, this is just a, another step in the, the next cycle of uh, getting people more self-sovereign, especially businesses, uh, distributing the network even further and wider than it already is. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Really appreciate you giving up your time. Who do you need to give um, a shout out to or how can people find the website? And let's make sure. Uh, well, I'll put your Twitter name actually right in the title. So <laughs> you don't need to go through spelling yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, just go on that the website. Basically, it will be easier and you can find the contact information after. Um, website is noddle, N-O-D-L dot I-T. Um, Noddle.it. Did you yeah. did you uh, list it in Italy or like is it? No, um, I think every other domain name uh, with Noddle was taken, so we took you know what looked the most uh, familiar, I guess. <laughs> so we get a lot of mails in Italian for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, no, Noddle.it. I I think we'll we'll make it accessible on Noddle.eu uh, when right. we revamp the the site. I don't know, it's pretty catchy, you know, if, if you want a note, just noddle it. Yep, noddle it, yeah. Noddle it, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> All right, Laurent, have a great well, day, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, it was really a pleasure, and um, when I swing by into the Southwest, uh, I'll let you know, we can grab a beer. <laughs> 100%, I really look forward to it. Take care. All right, you too, bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening, and Laurent, Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving up your time. That was a great rip and uh, introducing yourself more openly, I suppose, to the plebs and exactly what it is that you are doing over at Noddle and what you're building and the future of where you see this heading. Great conversation talking about getting the, uh, the nodes, Noddle in specific, your hardware, your software services your cloud services into the shops the next wave of bitcoin adoption this is huge i've got a big smile on my face just thinking about it how distributed the network is going to become how much stronger it becomes day after day this is an inevitability if you're listening and you're new to the show that might sound a little bit hyperbolic for those that have been listening for a while and been in the space for a couple of years you know it's inevitable. This is gonna happen. It's just a matter of time and it's just a matter of different companies coming out and building these products. I was blown away by some of the other companies that I met at the conference in Biarritz and I will be bringing them onto the show to share what they are up to. There's shit happening, guys. There really is so much cool stuff happening. And if you wanna build something, go build it. Just don't hold back and it could be any kind of content creation just go do it uh quick shill for the show sponsors coinfloor.co.uk swanbitcoin.com shiftcrypto.ch 
and relay.ch all forward slash bitten. Catch you on the next one.